Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributor to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of A List of Demonic Names, a pocket guide for the paranormal investigator, exorcist, psychic, and metaphysical practitioner. Um, also, I'd like to thank monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. Also, executive producer Joseph Simkov, author of How to Kiss the Universe. And this episode is sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And I would totally recommend her. Me and her both read tarot cards and... It is a great way to check out the energies and influences surrounding any type of situation before you make a decision. It's good to kind of check that stuff out. So check her out at ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, my guest for today is Catherine Andrews. And we are here to talk about, oh, she's written books and all kinds of different metaphysical topics. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Gary. No problem. So, um, I mean, one of the things that you seem to focus on a lot is purpose, you know? Um, and I, don't, I always play devil's advocate on this, you know? Like, how, how, how does a person know that they even have a purpose? Like, what if we don't have a purpose? So, I do believe that um, before we choose to come into the physical body, we have a reason for coming back to the earth plane. It's not just by chance. Um, and so we wouldn't be here if we didn't have a reason for coming here. And I believe that purpose is chosen before we actually incarnate into the body. And we set up all different types of circumstances, choices to help us fulfill that purpose. Mm-hmm. And if, if people feel they don't have a purpose, uh, it's just that they're not in touch with it. But we all have a purpose for sure. Interesting. Because most of the time I feel like my life is kind of purposeless. So one of the ways, um, you know, is following your passions. Your passions have usually a lot to do with your purpose. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the activities in your life, what you're passionate about, what you're drawn to, that's part of your purpose as well as your lessons. So people always think it's, oh, it's my passions. And yes, that's part of it. But there's two parts to your purpose. One is discovering your gifts and talents, your passions, for example, mm. and offering those to the world. We also have a purpose in terms of the lessons that we need to learn. You could look at it as what we have less experience with. Um, and that is also part of our purpose. So even if you're going through a really difficult time with a lot of challenges, that is probably part of your purpose is to master those challenges. Hmm. So, I mean, I've interviewed quite a few people who have talked about soul contracts and, you know, soul families and reincarnation and coming back and here and sort of like this being sort of like a, a school. Is that what you say? With, think this is like a for learning? Yeah. I think the earth is a schoolroom. It's one of the most challenging, right? Because the way we learn is through experience. So we can't just read it in a book and say, I know it, right? We right. have to actually experience to make something a permanent part of ourselves. And so this is the perfect place because I can't think of anything you could not experience in the physical world. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people in the physical world are seeking out-of-body experiences. And so that is still an experience, right? It's part of the mastery is to be able to master the physical. And so to be able to leave the body and come back at will. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're learning to take those 
qualities that easily occur when we're in spirit form and be able to manifest them in the physical. So it's the blending of that conscious and subconscious mind that allows us to be able to leave the body at will, you know, go into the inner levels and then come back out. So, like, I think you offer a lot of coaching. What is it, how, how do you help people, you know, that help people to find their purpose? Like, how do you help people find what it is they're going to enjoy? So I have a six-part process that I take, mm-hmm. usually in classes, but sometimes individually. Um, we go through the path of astrology, numerology, palmistry, iris analysis, family birth order, and past lives. So each one of these paths reveals your gifts and talents, as well as your challenges. Those are the two things that we're continually working through during our lifetimes. And so each one of those paths, their intuitive sciences, I call them, will clearly reveal what those are. These are gifts that you just maybe need a little bit of effort to bring out. These are what you're going to be challenged with. This is what you need to learn. And so in a group format, it's awesome because we go through our entire astrology chart, everything it says about us. We do our entire numerology chart. It gets a little bit more esoteric, for example, mm-hmm. when we get into past lives and we get into family and birth order. Um, it's just all different ways, angles, perspectives of looking at ourselves to really understand what our purpose is. So we can't just look at one path because we won't see it all in entirety. we got to look through all the six paths. So you're kind of building like a metaphysical profile. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. And then once you have that profile, it helps you identify a person's purpose and that will help them make the correct decisions in life. Exactly. So when you know what your challenges are, you will make decisions that will either help you learn that lesson or make it worse, right? Um, you will choose jobs, for example, careers that will support you bringing out your natural gifts and talents. You will choose a mate who will align with your mission or at least be supportive of your mission. So every choice you make, yeah, um, can either support or hinder you bringing out and fulfilling your mission. What about those things that seem to be out of our control? Give me an example. Mm-hmm. You get in, come home from work and, you know, get in a car accident and you need a new car. Like, how does that fit into the purpose of life? You know, like, are there things that happen outside of purpose or does everything have purpose? So if you, if you learn from every experience, it has a purpose. If you don't, then it's just another thing that happens to you and you'll keep repeating it till you learn from it. So we are bound by universal laws while we're in the physical. And one of the laws is cause and effect. And so I don't believe that anything happens randomly. So everything down to a car accident, you, wherever you are, you are a part of that manifestation. So there's many reasons for a car accident. Um, one of them is simply how you're using your mind. Or not using your mind, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's an, an understanding that needs to be learned regarding expression of energy. So when we bottle up energy, when we suppress it, what happens is it's going to come out one way or another. We can't suppress the energy. And so it comes out in things like accidents, car accidents, you know, falling, whatever. That's, an, that's like the explosion of energy coming out saying, whoa, there's some things that needs to be released. So if you can learn from it, you'll understand how energy works in the physical. But if you don't learn from it, then it's just like, oh, what was this for? And then you bottle up your energy again and have another accident. Right. 
Well, just like a baby, he's going to keep doing something till he finally gets it. And I was like, oh, okay, the stove's hot. I'm not going to put my hand there. But some of us never learn certain things. Agreed. <laughs> and continue to make the same mistakes for an entire <laughs> lifetime. What is that all about? So that's just like, you know, you're sitting in ninth grade and you're not paying attention. You fail it. You got it. So you got to repeat it. And that's the beauty of the physical is that we will repeat and repeat and repeat until we get it. What happens, though, is that the way the universe works is when you ignore a lesson or when you don't get it, it comes back in a more intense form. So let me give you a concrete example. Mm -hmm. Let's suppose I'm born in the United States, free country, right? So um, I'm here to learn freedom and responsibility. Let's say I, I don't really take my freedom seriously. I'm not responsible with it. So then my next lifetime, maybe I'm born into a communist country where I don't have freedoms. And it's like, woo, this is more intense. I actually don't have freedom. Mm -hmm. So as they say, you don't miss something until you don't have it anymore. And then you'll begin, oh, what is freedom? So yes, you will repeat the lesson and it will become more intense until it's like right in your face until you get it. So it's our, in our best interest to assimilate, focus on self-development, and learn as quickly as we can. And the beauty is that even though we may come back in a new body, we take all the understandings and wisdom that we learned from previous lives. So each lifetime becomes easier and easier, hmm. like building blocks. So this all sounds very time-consuming, and I know that you also have a book out on time. So is this entire process of extension or whatever you want to call it, you know, learning lessons and kind of, you know, becoming more, more spiritual beings, whatever it is that we're doing, um, how does time play into that? Does time actually happening? Or has everything happened at once? Is it run parallel and forward and backward? What is it? So that's the paradox of time is it exists on one level and on another level, it's an illusion. So from the spiritual perspective, time does not exist. There is no beginning. There is no end. However, Within the physical world, time is a structure that does help us gauge how we live our lives. So meetings, scheduling, all that serves a purpose. So time in the physical has its purpose. Now, the cross metaphysically represents the blending of horizontal and vertical time, which means Physical time is vertical going across, right? Where it's like you have one thing, then the next, and it just seems like another year's gone by. No, it's my birthday. We're just moving along. But when we learn something, we have an experience, we learn from it. That is where the cross meets. And so you move up in the wisdom. And so... It's like you surpass the physical time. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we can both live in a year of physical earth time, 365 days. Now, if you just sit on your couch and watch TV for that entire year and do nothing except that, um, you really won't gain any wisdom and you won't move up horizontally. However, if I am actively... Uh, learning my lessons, engaging in self-development, being of service to others, etc. And learning my lessons, I'm moving up in horizontal time. So my year, I've grown way beyond what another person did in one year. So we can make more use of time if we learn and incorporate the lessons. Hmm. So it's not measured the same, right? Correct. Yeah. So it, it's very interesting when we get into the metaphysical 
thinking about time and doesn't exist does it exist or doesn't it exist so for our purposes in the physical world and for practicality um time is a gauge but if we get too caught up in it and we only think of i got to get this done by this hour we're forgetting the whole purpose of being here which is to learn our lessons which is beyond time and takes us beyond that vertical timeline of one day one week, one month, etc. Hmm. Can time go backwards too? Well, that would be like if we don't learn our lessons or if we're in a karmic situation, something we're supposed to learn, yet we make some bad choices, then yes, we can actually put ourselves back. The web of lies, deceit, or wrongdoing then can set us back. So in a sense, definitely, we can move backward. We can blow it, for sure. Just as we can leap and move leaps and bounds ahead if we learn the lessons. Hmm. So it's, it's pretty much just up to us how much effort we want to put into it. Exactly, yes. Because we have free will, we can choose to learn a lot in one lifetime or a little. And that's, that's the beauty of free will. Just like people have the free will, I'm going to drop out of high school. You can do that. You can drop out of your life. You can do that. Knowing, though, that you're going to have to come back until you learn it. Hmm. For what purpose do you think all this is happening for? I mean, why is it, what are we? And, and why are we meant to learn these lessons? Two words, well, one word, evolution. So the nature of evolution is growth and forward motion. So we are all destined to grow and learn. That's just the nature of the universe. So eventually, even if it takes us 500 lifetimes, we will learn it. <clears throat> and that's what we're here for is to evolve onto other planes of existences. So we are all creators, I believe. <clears throat> and so we are here to learn to create in new and expansive ways. What do you think what, what do you think is do you think there's a limit to how far we can evolve? No, I think it's limitless. I think the creator in the magnificence of the cycle of evolution it's limitless. So I think it's beyond what we can even comprehend. Hmm. And as a creator, I think that the potential is limitless. I think there's always new universes going to be created and so on and so forth beyond my conscious mind comprehension. Interesting. So, do you think that the human beings have the potential to become gods themselves? I think we already are. It's up to us to recognize that. So if we were made in the image and likeness of the creator, that means we are creators. We are gods. And once we embrace that, we can create anything. We will know that we're capable of it. I think we are so much more capable than what we think because of our limited conscious mind. And that is seen in the difference between what some people create versus others. So we could look at somebody like Gandhi, who changed a whole nation, versus somebody else who almost created nothing. Hmm. So, you know, I, I, I kind of think of it that way, too, that... I don't know. I think we just all exist inside some kind of greater consciousness, like a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream. And then eventually we start becoming like a dreamer too and start creating our own stuff. Exactly. Yeah, like when is the dream? Is it when we're dreaming or is this the dream when we're awake? I don't know. What do you think? I think we're both in dream worlds, really, right? So 
Although I would say um, that this is the Maya. This is the illusion to think that this physical world is real. Because this is not our true nature, the physical body. Mm-hmm. Our true nature is spirit. So I think that the real illusion is the physical. And we will wake up into the reality of who we are, which is spirit. I agree. I, I agree. I've had an experience where I've left my body and, and I was still conscious. So I, I don't believe that the body, we need the body to still remain conscious. But yes. I wonder, but sometimes I wonder though, if the consciousness that leaves the body is really all that exists, is that consciousness and everything else is an illusion. So, <clears throat> For example, when we dream at night, Mm -hmm. where does our consciousness go? It simply shifts from focus on the conscious mind to the subconscious. That's where dreams happen. So it's just a shifting shifting of awareness from one mind to the other. Hmm. And when we die, the consciousness just shifts back into spirit 100% all the time. To reincarnate again in the body. So master yogis and so forth are able in deep meditation to move into that superconscious awareness. Have you been able to? Um, I have had brief periods where I am not aware of my body. I am outside the confines of that trapping. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to hold it for very long. But I have had that short glimpses of that experience, and I want more. So I know the way to do that is doing my exercises, right? But, of course, the trappings of the physical world. We get so busy. Yeah. You know, the physical world just pulls us in things. So it's like making that effort. And over 20 years of teaching metaphysics, I've heard all the excuses in the world. Oh, I haven't had time from exercises to see. I'm the same, right? I can make up all those excuses. So it's just a matter of getting back into that quiet space, knowing that if we want more of those inner experiences, we have Mm. to make time to do those exercises. What type of exercises do you suggest for people to do? Well, the basic is meditation. Um, I'm also a big fan of breath work. So... um, we call it intuitive breathing, uh, rebirthing breath work. There's a lot of different names that it goes by, liberation breathing. Uh, you can check out the works of Sandra Ray or Leonard Orr, who recently passed. He was the father of the rebirthing breath work movement. Um, chanting is very powerful. Um, those would be my top three exercises. Hmm. So, that I recommend to people. So, yeah, it sounds very Buddhist. Um, like, how do those tools help a person? Like, how does that help a person, you know, move towards finding their purpose? Uh, so, the more that you listen inwardly, uh, the clearer your purpose becomes. So the to know your purpose, your conscious mind is filled with so many possibilities um, that it gets confused, it gets pulled in all these different directions. So it's the inner subconscious, the soul, that knows what it came here to do. So the more that we can quiet that outer conscious mind to be able to listen to that inner subconscious, that's where the answers come from. So that's how it can help us is listening to those messages. And, you know, on a more superficial level, it's just, hey, turn left on this street instead of right. You know, those intuitive messages that are out for our best interest. Mm-hmm. Hey, this person's good. No, you shouldn't trust this person. All those things along the way are guideposts. And then, of course, the bigger thing is what is our purpose? Right. A lot of, a lot of people, though, like even as kids, we're sort of taught, taught almost to ignore that voice that tells us, the right thing to do 
You know, like, 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 oh, no, it's just your imagination. Ignore that. Just follow all the rules and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we ignore a lot, you know. And again, that intuition is going to keep talking to us until we get it. Hmm. So even if we miss the first message, the second, it's going to keep at us. So the intuition has a mind of its own? Well, so the intuition, it has a wider perspective than our mind. So it can't force us to do something. It can only give us the messages. We have to decide if we're going to follow it or not. And that's the beauty of free will. We have free will, right? So we can choose to ignore it or not. I don't know if we have free will or not. I'm not 100% convinced on that one yet. Um, one, one of the things, like, you're talking, you know, intuition. Is intu- is intuition like our higher selves or could it be guardian angel or or other guiding uh, spirits or forces that are around us? So our intuition basically is our own higher self, our own soul. Mm-hmm. Now, I also believe that, yes, definitely. We can receive messages from angels, spirit guides. Yeah, they're talking to us all the time as well. Isn't there a way to make a deal with one of them just to help us out? We did. We did? Before we came into the body, we made a deal, a contract that says, during this lifetime, you are my guide my entire life. Now, the thing that most people don't realize is the guides cannot force us to do something. Once again, they can nudge us suggest but the role of a guide is that to guide not to make decisions for us we have free will so we would just be puppets if we had the guide do this do that you know how would we learn so we ultimately have to make the choice Hmm. so we made the decision already a contract i think i got a bad guide (laughs) why is that he's not doing his job I'm sure a lot of people think that, right? They're doing their job. They're probably saying, you're not doing your job, Gary. You're not listening. Who knows? I'd be like, man, I'm firing this guy. I want a a new one. One one that's at least going to tell me to do the things that I want to (laughs) do. Things I don't want to do. I know, right? So... You can definitely make a new choice in another life, um, but you made the choice. Uh, it's a it's a kind of co-creative. The guide learns from you. You learn from the guide. So one of the things that guides appreciate is when we delve into our learning, when we quiet our mind to listen. Um, did you ever see the movie Ghost? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a classic example of how other people on the other side, for example, our own spirit guides are constantly trying to get our attention and we're just like oblivious because we never slow down. And so they really love it when we slow down and listen and have conversations with them. So there's a lot of great great spiritual teachers um, who've written books about their relationship with their guides. So think about it. You two make a contract, you get here and then you blow them off. How boring is it for that guy to just have to sit there? Oh, sorry about that. We kind of lost touch for a second. But okay, we were just talking about the movie Ghost and how our spirit guys kind of behave like that. Oh, I think all the time they're just waiting for feedback, for conversation, for attention. Because they grow when we grow. It's a symbiotic relationship. So if we spend our life watching TV and never engage and learn, they're not learning much, right? right? But if they experience through us, so the more that we're moving forward and learning, they too benefit. So they still have, our guys are not completely evolved yet either. So there's a point like maybe we can even be switching back and forth maybe with a guide, you know, like one one lifetime we're the guide and they're the human, and then another lifetime, you know, we're the human and they're the guide. 
and we just kind of keep messing with each other. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not always tit for tat. Oh, you were my guy this lifetime. I'm gonna be <laughs> so right? I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of possibilities how that's worked out on the other side. Um, so, yeah, a lot of times it's just a kindred soul. It could have been somebody we were married to in a lifetime, and then they decide uh, to be of service to us from the other side instead of on this side. There's all possibilities. Hmm. So, so if we have a guide, a higher self, angels, it sounds like we have like this whole group, whole support group behind us in this life. But it's so easy. You know, you've talked, two things that you've mentioned repeatedly are quieting the mind and not being lazy and doing the work and living our lives. I, I think those are probably maybe the two hardest things for people to do. I know, and why is that, right? Because if we get to the point where it's like the exercises feel good, like sometimes I will be so busy and I'm just like, I cannot wait to get quiet and go within. So it has to be enjoyable. And so we have to learn to enjoy the silence, the peace, and the quiet. Um, and, you know, for some people, they, they may never appreciate that. I don't know. I, I love it. Um and, and once we really appreciate that and enjoy it and get into it, then it's something we can actually look forward to. Hmm. I've gone back and forth on it. I've gone through, like, like I mean, I can still even now. Like, if I go on a meditation retreat, I, I mean, I can do meditation endlessly and not stop. But it's because it's such a reprieve for me. But at the same time, it's hard for me to break myself away from daily life to go and meditate. It's weird. Right. I mean, yeah. You know, just like going to the gym. Do we want to work out every day? No. But the benefits and how we feel after are the motivation to do it again. So, yeah, sometimes I don't want to go work out. But then once I do, I'm like, I'm so glad I did. I could say the same thing about meditation. Didn't really feel like doing it one day. But boy, once I did, I was glad. Um, and we know there's physical benefits, just like there are physical benefits to working out physically. So, you know, reduced heart, uh, reduced uh, blood pressure, all kinds of health benefits from meditators. There's been studies done. It reduces crime rates in cities, you know, on and on and on. So if we think, oh, this is good for my health, just like physically working out at a gym is good for my health, we can kind of psych ourselves into it. Hmm. Do you know what ruined my meditation practice? What? Getting a dog. I can't. So the dog constantly wants attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would actually uh, agree in a certain way because I have a very uh, busy dog that likes to play ball 24-7. Um, but it's a learning for them because animals are really receptive to our energy. So the dog I had before the one I have now, when I would do readings, and he was a very active dog, but the minute I sat down to do a reading for someone, uh, my dog Charlie would lie down at my feet the whole time. He was like my protector. So I think if you actually talk to your dog, like even mentally, you know, this is our time to go within, to connect. Um, see if you can train your dog to get into that <laughs> dog. So even when my husband my and I... dog is untrainable. Wow. So I don't know, but I, I, I would try that because they're very receptive to our thoughts and energies. Hmm. And worst comes to worst, you, you get one of those herbal chill pills and you give it to them before you meditate. Yeah, that's going to be the next thing, get the dog high. <laughs> because I, I will say he really changed because I used to get up like clockwork every morning before work I would get up a half hour early and I would spend a half hour meditate and it was never an issue then I got the dog the dog's got to go to the bathroom he's got to eat he's got to do this he's got to do that he's got to tear a couple things apart he's got to chase the cat and then I got to go to work it's all about the freaking dog now in the morning. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's, 
completely destroyed my practice. That's interesting. Yeah. So I guess you got to make a choice, right? Or somehow work around that. Um, I think every challenge happens for a reason. So it reminds me of um, that movie, The Biggest Little Farm, where this couple buys this dog. I don't know if you saw the movie. And um, they live in an apartment in L.A. And so the dog, the minute they leave for work, the dog starts barking nonstop. And so the neighbors start complaining. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like, this dog was causing us all these problems. Maybe we just need to get rid of the dog. But they were really falling in love with this dog. So they're like, oh, I can't part with them. So they decided to fulfill their lifelong dream of buying a farm. And so they did, got out of the apartment, solved the problem. So it was so interesting that what they thought was a problem was actually pushing them in a certain direction. And they bought this organic farm and the rest is history, right? Biggest little right. farm. So, so can you so, figure this out for me then? Like, like what, what am I supposed to do here? Do I need to buy a bigger house? Like, oh, we have the money to buy a bigger house. Uh, I'm going to let you figure that one out on your own. <laughs> I'm just saying, when we have a problem, you know, our first thing is, oh, I just want to get rid of this problem. Why is this happening? But I think within every problem, there is a gift. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I mean, I'm, I I struggle with certain things, and I like, oh, I just want to get rid of this. I wish this wasn't happening. But then I'm like, no, there's something in here for me to learn. There's a gift. So you got to figure out what that is. So when you do, uh, let me know. We've all got our set life. And, you know, uh, the greatest inventions came from problems. Somebody had a problem, and they're like, there must be a solution. And their solution turns into an invention and so forth. Mm -hmm. So if we look at problems as opportunities, everything changes. And that's where listening to the intuition and saying, you know, asking, I've got this problem, praying every night for it, for solutions, solutions. And sometimes they're slow coming, but they will get there. Hmm. I did have a guest once suggest that I meditate with my dog. And I tried it. But, uh, you know, the dog just, like, walked over, over me and licked my face. And it didn't work. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that, that tries something. I don't know. There's a reason that dog's in your life. Uh, so just, just keep asking for, for guidance on it and how to deal with it. And there will be some solution, one that you probably wouldn't have thought of, right? Maybe. Maybe you need to buy a farm and move out to the country. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I wish I knew. I wish I knew all those things. Um. So, yeah, we're, we're talking about the laziness and the quietness. Um, some people too cannot stand the quiet. Like, like, like I'm fine with like, once I sit down, like I said, when I meditate, I can do it forever. Some people can't, some people can't stop themselves for even a minute. Well, so yeah, when things get quiet, we have to face ourselves. And so some people actually perpetually keep themselves busy mm-hmm. to avoid feeling what's going on inside them. You know, I'm, I'm capable of that, right? It's easy for me to keep busy, busy, busy. And sometimes when I slow down, it's like, ooh, I got to feel those feelings that might feel uncomfortable. Or I have to look at this certain situation. And so that's, that's part of the process is being okay with going into the feelings, especially if it's an uncomfortable one. Or looking at something that is uncomfortable to look at. And a lot of people are afraid of that. Uh, but that's, really what is behind that is the fear and once you face it you can move through it but avoiding it's just going to make it worse hmm. yeah avoiding things always makes things worse what's that avoiding stuff always makes things worse right what you avoid persists so eventually we're all going to have to look at what what's inside of us. And I say, well, better do it now and, and face it than, you know, wait till we die and leave the body and then we're going to have to assimilate it anyway. So it's easier to assimilate 
while we're here, right? It's like the dog pees on the floor going back to the dog and we don't point it out to him until a week later. He's like, well, what? what's the deal, right? Uh, that you did something wrong. So likewise, when we have experiences, if we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. And then, you know, we wait till we die and then we have to do the life review after the fact. It takes longer to process and understand than if we do it in the moment. That's what I always teach people, assimilate now. What does that mean exactly? How do we assimilate now? Like, how do we get ourselves motivated to do these things? So what does it mean to assimilate now is, um, you know, uh, boy, I just had this horrible relationship. And A, I can just say, oh, I'm done with that. I don't want that again. I'm moving on. And I stop there. Or I say, gee, what was that relationship about? And I analyze it. I look at it from an intuitive perspective. I figure out what was the lesson in that relationship, even if it was painful. And then when I get the lesson, I can move on. So that's the assimilating. It's not just saying, oh, that was horrible. Forget that. It's why was it horrible? What did I learn from that situation? And then I, when I get the lesson, that's the assimilation. And then the good news is I probably won't have to face that lesson again. And I move on to something better. But if I just push it aside, the universe is going to bring me back the same person in a different body. And I'm going to have to learn it, hopefully, the next time. Hmm. So I guess the motivation is the avoidance of repeated suffering. Yes, there you go. And like I said, it gets more intense. When we avoid something, the lesson's going to come back more intense. So let's say, you know, we date somebody who's verbally abusive, but we don't get it. Well, the next one uh, could be even more verbally abusive and or combined with physical abuse. That would be more intense, right? So let's get it right the first time so we don't have to go to the next level. Hmm. Um, so, so when we take all, all these, like we need, to, are you an intuitive too? Actually. I think we're all intuitive. Mm -hmm. Now the degree to which I can calm my mind and pick up on things varies, right? Days where my conscious mind's busy chattering, like I'm not picking up on the messages. Um, but when I get quiet, when I'm feeling relaxed, I, like this morning I was talking to a friend and I, I clearly got that she was saying um, she had a health issue and immediately came into my mind she needed to eat watermelon and drink parsley tea. It just came to me and I told her. And this morning I was calm uh, and it just came through. And it's not afraid to say it. Because a lot of times people are like, well, that's stupid. I can't tell them that. They'll think I'm crazy. You know, but I knew this person would be open to it. Um, and so you have to be just willing to trust. Even if it sounds ridiculous, say it anyway. Right? Um, and the more that you trust and are willing to share it, if it's for yourself or another, the more that it will keep coming. So we're all intuitive. So I am when I call my outer mind. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. You know, I, I'm sort of the same way. Like even with podcasting, like my day, days, like today, like I'm sort of out of sorts. So I'm like stumbling over words. I can't really, you know, I'm not my normal conversational self where I'm very going very straightforward. And it's the same thing. But when my mind is calm, I do everything hundred times better and it's the same with the intuition and when my intuition is in tune honestly it makes everything flow easier because I can find the ways of least resistance that my intuition wants me to go yeah it's so amazing how much easier it can be when, when we're tapped in tuned in however you want to call it um, and yeah I mean Physically, if our body's out of sorts, it's harder to tune into the intuition, too. So it is really a mind and body thing. So it's like mm -hmm. if we have a pounding headache because we're stressed about something or trying to control some situation, how are we going to hear the intuition, right? Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, when I am out of sorts with my intuition, I think, oh, physically, what, what do I need to do? Sometimes if I have bottled up energy, I just need to go exercise. 
Um, maybe I've got something on my mind that I need to tell somebody and I just need to express it so that I can clear my mind. Um, so there's all different ways when we're out of sorts to, to get clear on the path, but sometimes it's just starting with the physical body and breath work, exercise, clears the body. And then your mind has a better chance of listening to those intuitive messages. For me, it's like food and sleep. Yeah, two hugely <laughs> important things, right? If I don't get enough sleep, I'm I'm off, like both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. Some people do better than others with, you know, l lack of sleep. Um, I'm one of those that, yeah, I don't do well with lack of sleep. Um, and likewise, if I don't eat healthy food, you know, I'll, I'll feel it. Yeah, I need like all. I need food. I need sleep. I need companionship. Um. Yeah, I mean, those are like the three things that I think I mainly need. And when, like, when those things are kind of satisfied, then it's easier for me to calm my mind and be okay. So, yeah, and so that's good. You're in tune with yourself. You know what you need. Um, some people are out of touch with their needs. So one of the things when we do the six paths, mm -hmm. um, specifically on the astrology chart, we look at our moon sign because the moon reveals how we want to be nurtured, yeah. what we feel safe, secure, at ease. Um, and if you think of an egg, the yolk is the sun sign, mm -hmm. and it's nurtured, surrounded by the white part, which is the moon. So the moon creates that internal environment that allows our identity, the sun, to yes. come forth. So if you don't know what you need nurturing-wise, you need to look at your astrology chart and understand your moon sign. Yeah, that's one of the things I've learned is the you know how the moon sign is actually more pertinent to the decisions and some of the things that I do than the sun sign is. So, yeah, I mean, the sun and the moon are the two most important points on the chart that we need to look at. Sun is the identity, it's the purpose, what we came here to identify as. Mm -hmm. And the moon is going to help us do that. Like my my uh, sun sign is Capricorn, and my moon sign is Sagittarius. Oh, interesting. So you got the, the earth and the fire. So the sun in Capricorn uh, really has to do with learning responsibility for the outer as well as the inner needs. A lot of times Capricorns will be really responsible with their job, paying the bills, all those outer things, but then their inner needs, their inner desires, they're not responsible for those. And we often don't think in those terms, right? Like, oh, am I responding? Responsibility means the ability to respond to blank, whatever it mm -hmm. is. So are you responding to the inner needs, the desires of the soul? Um, and then it's surrounded by that moon in Sagittarius, and Sagittarius is expansive. So it's really kind of an interesting blend because that Sagittarius, unlike Capricorn, which is very structured, mm -hmm. that Sagittarius is very expansive, and it's saying, you know, you can be structured, but within this huge area, right? Mm -hmm. Sag wants to travel the world, you know, know, know the universe, and so it's telling your Capricorn, you don't have to be so structured, right? I'm creating this vast, open arena for you to play with the yeah. idea of possibility. Yeah, it is a weird combination. And I see it in my personality perfectly because part of me is very focused and structured. And then another part of me is the complete opposite. It's, it's just scattered and disorganized and just wants to go where or I just want to, want to go where I want to go and do what I want to do whenever. So it's like these two completely separate, as you know, it's like I'm two separate people almost. You almost think I was a Gemini because of how <laughs> I am sometimes. Well, and and I just realized I think we hit the nail on the head with your dog issue because that's a responsibility issue. It's like, oh, I got this dog now. I have to be responsible for him. That's an outer thing, like dog, all this stuff. The inner you has this need to to meditate and be quiet. So you're dealing with an issue of responsibilities, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the whole essence of the Capricorn. So the Sagittarius 
um, is saying, think expansively about this situation and how you could deal with it. Um, maybe it's you're supposed to learn animal communication is your next step, for example, and figure out what's going on with this dog, tune in, see how you can work with them. Because animals are a challenge, right? But they cause us to really think. And so I, I struggled with my dog a lot. He's barking down there right now. Speaking <laughs> of dogs. And I've learned a lot over the years from him about how to deal with his energy level. And um, he, he it's, it's been a process, but it's opened me up, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be easy if every dog was just obedient. So I think it's, it's, a, it's that learning with that Capricorn. Yeah. I think the problem, me and my dog are exactly alike. We really are. Because he has calmed down. He's still a puppy, but he's calmed down. You know, he mostly sleeps and eats and plays a little bit. And that's, that's really it. Except when nobody's looking, he has to do something bad. He's got to take something off the counter and chew it up or... or, or or whatever it is. Chase the cat. Uh -huh. I don't know. He and, and, and then and then he's fine again. But I'm sort of like that same way, you know, like I, I I do everything I'm supposed to do. But sometimes when I have I don't know, an opportunity to you know, mess with somebody or play a joke on someone or or whatever, I do it. <laughs> so there's already a learning there. Yeah. They say that our animals parallel us and things, which is kind of funny. Um, so yeah, see, um, I would delve more into that and how maybe there's an issue of mental discipline with the dog, right? That um, if you learn to communicate and really focus your mind, like when I lived on a farm for a year, they had us working with all kinds of animals bringing in the cows, you know, 12 cows, bring them in in the morning. We had to use our mind, mm -hmm. kind of direct the cows where we wanted them to go. If I stayed in fear of the cows, right, they would pick up on the fear and they'd go wherever they wanted. So animals can help us control and direct our mind. And so maybe that's part of the learning too. It must be. Couldn't be a coincidence that your dog started barking when we were talking about dogs. I know, right? <laughs> and oddly, mine is quiet. <laughs> here, here he is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Came in to say hello. <laughs> so how long have you been doing this? You said 20 years? More than that. So I grew up with no religion. My, my dad... Lucky you. Uh, religions. I, I'm sure I chose that on purpose. So I kind of had to find my own way. So when I was about 13, uh, I went took myself to the library, and I was drawn to a book by Ruth Montgomery. I read it. I was hooked. Go back, get another book, read about Edgar Cayce. Mm -hmm. All kinds of books. Then I got into Transcendental Meditation, so really since I was 13. And then, you know, college and stuff, you kind of take your focus away a little bit. But I would still, on the side, get readings, um, but have my other foot in the real world, so to speak, right? College, getting my degree. That spiritual interest was always there. And until I would say I was in my um, mid to like 28, 29, uh, I really got into it like 100%. And... That's when I you know, really decided I was going to dedicate my life to spiritual development, learning it, teaching it to others. How do you teach it? Do you have like online courses? Do you do courses in person? Yeah, so both. Intuitiveschool.com is our website. I'm also going to be offering um, classes through uh, Canon uh, Metaphysical University, which is uh, Julia Canon. Um, and in person, we live in the Kansas City area, so I teach anywhere I can in this area. Also, when we travel, taught in Florida, taught in Michigan, all different states. Uh, so people can look at our website to find out where we're going to be teaching. 
I, my preference is in person because I love the connection with people. But of course, you know, online allows me to reach more people. Yeah, that's pretty cool. In your in your classes, like what kind of things are you teaching? So currently, um, I'm teaching a dream class. So I teach dream interpretation. Um, I'm also teaching an astrology course, starting mm -hmm. from the basics, going probably for a couple of years till we get into the advanced stuff. I'm also teaching an intuition class. It's a 16-week intuitive development program. Um, <clears throat> I teach discovering your life purpose in person and online. Uh, and I have a relationship course similar to the discovery life purpose where we go through the six paths and we apply it to relationships. And of course, the newly released book on time, which is called Time, the Second Secret. Um, I have a course on helping people understand time and timing in their lives. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. Um, I had a question. I already forgot it. That was weird. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask. It was about one of your courses. I forgot what it was. So, uh, dreams. Oh, dreams. That was it. That was it. It was dreams. I was going to ask you about dreams. Um, because I've had covered a lot, you know, about dreams on, on this podcast. And um, did he, do you think that their dreams actually have meaning for us? Or like we're astral traveling in dreams? What do you think dreaming is all about? So... Dreaming is a way we dream every night, whether we remember them or not. And it's a way for us to process what happened during the day. So we do dream every night. So basically a dream is a message from the subconscious to the conscious mind. And dreams reflect our thoughts and attitudes about the events of the day. How we really feel about ourselves and what's going on with us. So every person, place, and thing in the dream is an aspect of us. And so it's really showing us what's really going on in our thinking. And you wrote a book just about dreaming about the whole showing up naked in dreams. Yeah. So, yeah, the book Naked in Public Dreams Symbols Revealed. co-wrote that with uh, my husband, Patrick. And uh, that was a really fun book. We've been doing dreams for about 20 years before we wrote that book. And um, it has a glossary of about 300 symbols in the back. And we talk about common dreams, such as being caught naked in public, being back in high school and you're completely lost or you're not prepared for the test. You know, there's so many common dreams that people from China to, you know, Japan have these same dreams. doesn't matter what culture, what country you're in, because we're all pretty similar when, when you get down to it in terms of our thoughts and attitudes. Um, so we cover every aspect of how to increase dream recall, how to interpret a symbol, how to put the symbols together to form a message. It's a great way to get your feet wet with dreams. So what does that naked dream mean? Naked dream? Yeah. Where you All show right, up at so... school and you have no clothes on. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so being naked has to do with being open and honest during your waking life. So if you are open and honest when you're speaking with people, if you're revealing your true self, you will have a dream where you're naked. Now, how you respond to being naked in the dream reveals how you feel about being open and honest. So let's say you recognize you're naked and you freak out in the dream. Oh my God, you, you run home. Mm -hmm. um, that's an example of during the day, you know, maybe you started opening up to somebody and kind of spilled your guts to that person. And then you were like, afterwards, like, oh my God, I made a fool of myself, right? That'd be an example of not being comfortable with being open and honest. But if you're one of those people, especially if you have, you know, that Sagittarius moon, Sag is usually... That, and that's me in this dream too. I'm just like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, right? Sagittarius is pretty... Uh, comfortable being open and honest and truthful um, and just saying it like it is and being okay with it. Yeah. So that's what it means. Yeah. Like when, I had, no, like when I had the dream when I was a kid, you know, it was terrifying. I was like, oh my God, and I was all embarrassed and horrified in the dreams when I was a, as a kid. 
But now as an adult, when I have that dream, it's just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> so that's cool. It's like you become more comfortable with your authenticity, basically. So that must mean I've learned something then through my life. Definitely. Right? <laughs> if, I, if I gauge my spiritual progress based on the naked dream, I might be actually making progress. Yes, I know. You're pretty hard on yourself. So, yeah, I'd definitely say you've learned some things. <laughs> I'm sure you learned from all the guests you have on your shows, too. Oh, I've had a couple. <laughs> I think this is like episode 472. Wow. So, yeah, I do, I do learn a lot from doing the podcast. I get to meet a lot of wonderful people, make friends. It's, it's fantastic. It's been a great experience. Oh, uh, yeah. How many years have you been doing it? Only two. Two, okay. But I think this might be part of my purpose. There you go. See, you wouldn't be doing it if somehow the soul wasn't drawn to that for some reason. So it's really a lot of times looking at everything in our life as clues as to what our purpose is. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Oh, it must relate to my purpose. And then you see, yeah, it all kind of fits in a bunch of puzzle pieces fitting together. Yeah. So I want to thank you for taking the time to come on today and talk with me. Um, of course, we had some technical stuff happen, but that's another thing, too. Mercury's in retrograde, so yes. every, everything's messing up. You I know, when it goes direct. It, it, if I could create a Death Star to blow up a planet, it would be Mercury. <laughs> then I would never, ever have to worry about any of this again. Nobody <laughs> would. The entire planet Earth would be free of Mercury in retrograde. That's funny. I would be a hero. Well, yeah, but then we would lose all forms of communication, right? We probably wouldn't have the internet or anything. Actually, I think more people would say they'd want to blow up Pluto because that's the radical planet of transformation. It can cause a lot of havoc in our lives, more so than a Mercury retrograde. But Pluto has like, what is it, like a 30, 40 year cycle around the sun? Yeah, it's slow moving. So, so its influences are typically, like, when I had a guest on, um, John Michael Greer, who wrote a book just on the influences of, Pru of Pluto. Mm -hmm. And, but he looks at it like it's all more of a, from a political, religious, and sociological view, because those are the things that cycle through over that period of time. Mm -hmm. So, even though Pluto's slower moving, one of the concepts in astrology is that the slower the planet moves, the more opportunity it has to make a deep impact on us. Mm -hmm. Whereas the moon, which travels super fast and every two and a half days, it's changing sign. How much can you really learn in two and a half day transit, right? But Pluto can stay in, in your chart in a sign for three to four years. You have a long time to incorporate that lesson. Yeah, but the moon rules over the menstrual cycle, which could create a baby, which can change an entire life forever. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. <laughs> you got me on that one. I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> where can people find you? All right. Our website, Intuitive School. Dot com. Also, uh, Canon uh, Metaphysical University. Uh, we're going to have a lot of courses on there as well. Our dream one dream course is almost ready to launch, probably in the next week at Canon uh, Metaphysical University as well. Mm -hmm. And MasterYourLifePurpose.com is another website. They can find out more about specifically purpose, life purpose. Hmm. I've been trying to get... Uh... Her on my show, Canon Julia's daughter. Well, I will tell her, but she won't do it. I've asked her more than once. Oh, okay. Well, I'll put the bug in her ear for you. Yeah, tell her. Say, hey, you know, there's this great podcaster who wants to interview you. Oh, I will. Because I love Julia Cannon. Like convoluted universe blows my mind. That that was Dolores Cannon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, her mom, Dolores. Her her book that 
it's just it's, there's no way there's absolutely no way that is made up oh i know yeah dolores was an amazing lady i miss her uh and yeah wrote some mind-blowing books yeah all right so i will post a link to intuitive school in notes of this episode with all your other contact information it has been a pleasure having you and thanks for being on thanks for having me gary it was a pleasure all right great just hang on for one second and i just have to play the outro Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. love what you listen to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.